Once again, we're wizarding after dark in the middle of the day. So I've finally taken the literal meaning of this podcast, and we are not doing it during dark. We're doing it after dark. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards both during and after dark. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. We're going to talk about... I didn't I didn't think Tim Connolly turning him down warranted an emergency podcast, although maybe I was wrong. But we're going to talk about Tim Connolly today. We're going to talk about more... Wizards GM stuff, other names who have been thrown out there, where they are, how much of a problem this is that it's been seven and a half weeks and they don't have a GM. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about All-NBA, NBA released All-NBA rosters yesterday. Bradley Beal, if you're a Wizards fan, I assume you already know, did not make it. Beal received the most votes of anybody who didn't actually make an All-NBA roster, which means, you know what, if you're a Wizards fan, you can feel comfortable calling him a top 16 player because that's really what he was when the All-NBA voting came out. Uh, on the other line, Adam Morris covers the Nuggets. He's perfect for Tim Connolly, but is also great on the rest of the league. So I figured uh, we're going to talk to him on Skype. How you doing? Busy week, huh? It, it was a busy week, and um, it's funny that you, tell, you you don't have to tell your listeners that you're recording this in the daytime, though. You can You can lie every now and then on your podcast. I've learned that. I, you know what? I'm so honorable that I won't even lie about the time of my podcast recordings. The honorable Fred Katz, I like it. That's that's how you know that my reporting has true credibility. That guy doesn't even lie about the times of his podcast. Why wouldn't he be truthful on this? Uh, so honorable. Oh, so so what did you make? Because because you're going to have a different perspective. Because no matter how much you try, you, you look at like reporters. I'm doing air quotes right now. Don't have biases, right? Mm-hmm. And even if our biases, even if we don't have rooting biases, which I think most of us, the vast majority of us really don't have rooting biases, you still have natural biases in your life. And one of them is just familiarity bias. So mm-hmm. when you're on a beat, I cover the Wizards all the time, I'm just more prone to looking at things through the Wizards' perspective, which is not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Uh, it can be good when you're actually covering the Wizards. Uh you have a perspective of looking at things through the Nuggets. I'm curious what your experience was with the entire Connolly thing from the time they got rid of Grunfeld, from the time uh, people, like the whole league, was talking about, well, Connolly's going to go there. I'll tell you what, I got a text when the Nuggets got eliminated from the playoffs. I got a text from somebody in the league, which was, uh, you know, the Joker the the not not the Joker Nikola Jokic because I will never call him Joker because that nickname from all the TNT guys exclusively calling him that just kills me. Uh, you know you know the Joker like Heath Ledger's Joker you know the GIF of of, of him saying here we go. Yeah, yeah yeah someone texted me that within thirty seconds of the Nuggets losing and, mm. and and you just like and it wasn't a source it was just like you know someone who works in the league who like you know just everybody in the league. Uh, just thought that this was going to go down, and they offered him, uh, and he and he said no. And so, take me through your experience of the whole thing. Yeah, well, I was like you. I, I I think a lot of us looked at it and thought that it just makes sense. If you remove anything you know about the guy, you just think, okay, a guy going home. The city of Baltimore. I know DC different than Baltimore, but you know, close enough. He's just. He's woven into that city so much. He has so many connections, so much history, and so much passion. You ever hear the guy talk about Baltimore? I mean, 
you, you know, the greatest city on earth. I mean, he's just, he's just so passionate about it. Um, so I thought the chance to go home and be somewhere familiar and just be home, you know, there was also, he's talked about some family reasons, you know, he wanted to be home at this specific time. So you thought the draw was there and then you factor into it as well. I think there's a security in stepping into a situation like the Wizards because quite frankly, in my opinion, at least there's, it, it's, um, it's going to be a long process. I don't think that's one where next summer you evaluate and say, okay, did he do a good job? Whoever comes in next, I think it's going to be more of a two, three, maybe even four-year sort of vision that you try to implement. So that kind of timing, you know, that's a lot of job security. So it just made sense on paper. It made a lot of sense that he would be giving them a look, and, and I counted him out. I think we even talked about it a little bit just between the two of us. I thought, yeah, I think he's probably going to head there. Friday night, I get a, a, a um, you know, I'm talking to somebody and and kind of heard that maybe the uh, momentum was in a different direction of him staying. So I was surprised by it uh, up until the weekend, but then by the time the meetings were happening, I th- I kind of thought, you know what, maybe uh, he he wanted to finish what he built here, and he's such a unique guy. He doesn't have an agent. Um, I think he approaches this job. Really, he was a scout his whole life. I think he approaches this job as in like I already hit the lottery. I'm just kind of you know, I'm playing with found money at the moment, and um, at the end of the day, I think he chose to finish what he started here in Denver. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because a lot of the justifications that you hear for why the Wizards' job was even on the table for him were non-basketball ones, right? Yeah. So it's there's family there. It's where you're from. It's where he worked for 14 years. He just has an you know, incredible appreciation for the organization in general because it's where he came up. It's where he got his first job. His wife is from the D.C. area. Uh, by the way, all great reasons to take a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes in sports, a lot of times, probably most yeah. people in sports, and when I say people, I'm referring really just to, to fans who don't really think of – GMs and players as people. I think of them more as just GMs. You know, it's it's like the uh, it's kind of like a teacher complex, right? Like if you see your teacher outside, like when you're 14 years old, <laughs> and you see your teacher outside of school, like you always the weirdest your thing. teacher at the grocery store. It's like, wait, why are you not at school? And your teacher's like, <laughs> right. it's 1 p.m. on a Saturday. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm picking up my margarita and right. getting out of here. So. Right. So I, I think we just have a way of compartmentalizing people when we only have pro- interactions with people in their uh, in their profession. We just think of them as that's their entire life. And if anyone else in sport, if anyone else in any other job was saying, "Well, why do you want to take this job?" It's like, "Well, this job pays a lot more. It's across the country <laughs> in my hometown where I'm from and where my wife is from. I'll get to see my family. She'll get to see her family. And by the way, it was my dream job since I was little. Yeah. Oh, okay. No one's going to be like, <laughs> well, you know, the company is not as great now as uh, the company you're at right now. But like, I don't yeah. care. Uh, yeah. So, so I think it's funny that uh, just the different way that we have perspective on that. Uh, but, but this what's is why, interesting, but, but, but real quick, because this is why yeah. I think it's interesting that he decided to stay is because you're right. All of those reasons just make so much sense for him to go. But I really do think that uh, he's he's a guy that's been around the league for long enough that he knows when you find a good situation, don't you know, stick as, around as long as you can. And I really do think that the relationship he has to the ownership group here um, is, is pretty unique in sports. And I think at the end of the day, he probably looked at that and just thought, um, you know, I got a good thing going, and I'm happy with everything I've, I've accomplished so far. 
yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of the juxtaposition that I was going to get at, which was he was going to leave for non-basketball reasons, and it sounds like he stayed for basketball reasons. Basketball reasons won out. The uh, the public, the way that people think of execs and players, that's how he uh, – it sounds like that's how he – and I'm not implying that he's not very happy there because it's obvious that he is. Uh, but that's what ended up closing the decision for him, right? Yeah, I think it's just it, – it's weird to say, but I think it's rare in, in, in sports to have – sort of the working relationships. That's another thing about if you just take basketball away from it and just talk about a random person picking a job, if you like the people you work with and you get along with them and you feel comfortable, that goes a long way. Sometimes that trumps money and trumps all those other things. And I think for him, you know, there's a lot of loyalty. I think he's a very loyal guy, um, almost a simple guy in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, he likes the relationships that he's had and he's been around enough different organizations and just been around the league long enough to know that at least that part of this job is is kind of rare and he wanted to hold on to it yeah and now the wizards are stuck so it's been seven and a half weeks uh and you know what if it were they, they fired Aaron Grunfeld april 2nd so about seven and a half weeks ago mm. and if they had just waited out tim Connolly and they thought that tim Connolly was going to be the guy and Connolly unexpectedly turned them down um, which, which by the way, is a uh, is certainly a failure because part of your job is, and when I say your job, I mean Leonsis, I mean the search firm, yeah. I mean people involved in the situation. Part of the job is not just to identify a good candidate because guess what? Anybody can be like, you know who you should get? A casual <laughs> basketball fan, you know who you should get? The guy who's running that team that just won 54 games with the second youngest roster in the league. Get that guy. It's like, oh, okay. Why don't you get Pop? Get Pop. Go get him. Why not? He's great. Been a good get. That'd have been a really good get. I hear he's doing great things in San Antonio. (laughs) Why don't you revive Red Auerbach? Bring him back. Anybody can do that. Uh, What you also need to figure out is if the guy is available. And if your intel fails in that department, the availability department, it's bad, but it's not necessarily the end of the world if you plan for it. So, like, they could – so he turned them down on Monday. It's Friday right now. They could wait a couple of days, regather themselves, call one of the candidates they've already interviewed in Troy Weaver or Danny Ferry, give Troy Weaver a call on Thursday, say, come in this weekend. We want you to meet everybody. Have them come in this weekend, and then, you know, they hire him on Monday or Tuesday. And, yes, that's like eight weeks from Ernie Grunfeld's dismissal. But that's not that's not truly the problem because they had to wait out Connolly till the Nuggets were out of the playoffs, and they had a solid Plan B waiting, and they acted quickly on their Plan B, and they didn't lose anything. It's not like you know they were going out of their way to interview other people. They got their number two choice. But what I anticipate is that um, they're not quite certain who their number two choice is right now, and I think that's what the problem is. Uh, I was so surprised. So. Mike Forty, who's running the New Orleans search, or who is running the Washington search, also ran the New Orleans search a month and a half ago. And from what I gathered during that New Orleans search, and I had to be right, was that the three best interviews were Griff, Larry Harris, and Trajan Langdon. Mm. And Trajan was also the runner-up to Gerson Rosas in Minnesota. Yeah, I heard good things about him for a while. Yes. And had to be right because they hired two of those guys. All right. So Mike Forty was running that search. 
the Wizards never called Trajan Langdon. Mm. Like, Trajan Langdon never interviewed with the Wizards. And Larry Harris from Golden State never interviewed with the Wizards. And I don't know why. I, I know I know that as of yesterday, the Wizards had never requested with Larry Harris. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying, like, you have to go get Larry Harris. There's just an obvious inconsistency there where your search firm is is a person. You know, we all say search firm, but it's a, it's a consultant. It's, it's one dude named Mike Forty. And so it's not like there's discrepancy across the company of this guy thinks that these guys are good, but someone else thinks these guys are good. You have the guy at the top running it. And they were impressed in New Orleans with all three of those guys. New Orleans hired Griff. Two of those guys were available for a long time. Obviously, Trajan Langdon has since gone to New Orleans, but the Wizards had six or seven weeks to interview Trajan Langdon before he went to New Orleans. Yeah. And they didn't. Uh, and they didn't interview Larry Harris. And there are a number of other... GM candidates out there, they've interviewed very few people. The only two people, the only three people they've interviewed are Tommy Shepard, um, Troy Weaver from Oklahoma City, and Danny Ferry, who was the GM of the Hawks and uh, and the Cavs and had the interim label with the Pelicans for a few months this year. And that's it. It's like you got to cover your bases, you know. I, I've got a strong theory on this, though. I, I so you you talked about the ro- the role of a hiring firm, and I think the the one thing you left out was sort of you get you identify the guys you have the contingency plan but you also i think figure out try to get the best angle for how to hire this guy like how to convince him because it is a hard thing sometimes to jump at ship and and to join another one and i wonder if the sense i get just from reading the tea leaves from everything i see publicly i i wonder if washington sort of counted their their chickens before they hatched I, w- I wonder if there was a little bit of a like oh yeah he's it's home and and we have more money and yeah he'll come here like we we got that and I, I wonder if they just were a little too sure of, of what his decision would be and also maybe just sort of misread some of the things that maybe would be most important to him. And not that I think they, like, blew the meeting, but I think it was just going to take more convincing than they anticipated and maybe were less prepared to sort of convince him in the ways that they needed to. So um, I, part of them not having all these backup plans, I wonder if they just thought they had their guy in the bag. Oh, they did. And that's that's why I say it's a failure. That's why I say it's not just a failure of intel, but it's a failure of operation. Even if you think you have the guy in the bag, it's like don't don't you know bust out the champagne until there's one to pay for. Right. You know, like this wasn't even a. I think that's what happened, though. Right. This wasn't even a DeAndre Jordan situation. You know, this was just like this was a this was a Kevin Durant to the Wizards situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure, for and, sure. And so, like, when you when you don't know, at least cover your bases. I'm not saying it's a failure that they turned that he turned them down. Tim Connolly is a good GM who operated professionally and turned down a job offer, and that's it. And I'm not saying it's a failure that they turned him down. I have no evidence that that they offered him less than he wanted, and so he just felt like they were being cheap and turned them down. I, I, right, right. I, I. In that sense, that's not the failure. The, and I can't even say it's a failure until the process is done. But the, uh, the flaw in the process is that now they're sitting here. Uh, they're not starting pre-draft workouts, by the way, until June 4th. It's Friday <laughs> going into Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Normally they start them right around Memorial Day weekend. They're starting them a week later, and no one has specifically told me why. But I'm gonna 
I'm going to ask the question, what is different about this year than other years? And it's pretty obvious the reason that they're starting them later is because they're waiting for somebody who's in permanent figurehead to actually go to the pre-draft, pre-draft workout so they don't miss stuff. So and by the way, the this schedule. is especially important for a new general manager, a new uh, somebody that walking into a new scenario. Denver had this, by the way, with Tim Conley. They lost Masai Ujiri shortly after the season, kind of a surprise. They didn't expect that to happen. Tim Conley walks into the job a week or two before the draft and... You think of all the things a GM has to do to sort of get settled in and get his staff and figure out their process, and then you have to make these important decisions with two weeks to kind of talk it over or ten days to talk it over. That's really tough to do. So that issue you're talking about to me is actually a significant one and one that could end up costing the Wizards in some way, um, you know, a year of process. It's possible. It's possible. It's. Uh, I wrote about maybe three weeks ago or so. Maybe it was two weeks ago. I wrote, all right, this is not the end of the world. It's been five weeks. People are freaking out that they don't have a GM. Right now, it's not that big of a deal. They can go into the combine without a GM. That's okay. Like, the combine is not that important. Anybody who you want to draft, you almost definitely bring in for individual workouts anyway. Right, right. A lot of teams, you know, every year there's a team who goes into the combine without a GM. If you're waiting out Tim Connolly and you end up getting Tim Connolly, would you rather have another GM for the combine or would you rather wait out your top choice and be in great shape for years upon years after that? I mean, you, the answer is very obvious. So I didn't think it was a big deal. But now they're not really waiting on anybody. By the way, uh, Neil O'Shea's name has come up. Ben uh, Standig mentioned mm. Neil O'Shea, Neil O'Shea, and NBC Sports. Um, ben, obviously, the most frequent guest on this podcast, a good friend of mine, uh, friend friend of the show as well. I love when I get to say friend <laughs> of the show. Sounds very professional, as if this is like a show and not me literally standing in my bedroom right now as there's construction outside of my window. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> again, Fred, you don't have to share. The, you don't have to tell the audience. You could say it's the studio, and <laughs> there's a, a full staff working on the show as we speak. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I got producer <laughs> Danny over there on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben mentioned Olshay. I've like thrown Olshay, Olshay's name out there. It's it's pretty well known around the league that Olshay is like he's he'll listen if you call him i think he's uncertain about the ownership situation there and 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 uh, there's a good potential for ownership turnover there uh and it's pretty well known that like if you hit up O'Shea, he'll listen that being said with the wizards specifically i would be i would be very surprised if neil O'Shea were in the mix I bet you to get him to Washington would cost at least twice what Ernie Grunfeld was making. Mm. And and I don't know the exact number that they offered Tim Connolly. Um, I've heard a number of different figures, so I'm not going to say it because, as you guys know, <laughs> honest. Uh, but but every number that I've heard is, is a good deal less than what I think it would cost Olshay. So – I think the Wizards would have to sit down and be like, all right, you know what? We're rebudgeting this role. We're going for a big dog. And I don't have – I mean, I guess they could do that, but I don't have any indication that that is going to happen. So, You know what I love about this, friends? Why – Tim Conley, Neil O'Shea, why are these guys and, – and I see some of the Washington fans, they, they covet him. And look, I love Tim. I think he's phenomenal. I think he should be up for executive of the year. I think I, he's just – building this team has been great. 
he got a 41st pick that's a first-team All-NBA player. What are the odds he's going to replicate that if he goes if he went to Washington? Neil Olshay has Damian, got Damian Lillard. What are the where is Portland without him? Where are the Nuggets without Jokic? So a lot of this is funny to me. A year ago, people were talking about if Tim Conley should be fired because the Nuggets missed the playoffs two years in a row by one game, and you know there were some question marks about what can this team get over the hump or are they just kind of a, a fake you know rebuild team? So it, it's funny to me how much these narratives change on a dime and how often a, a a general manager in particular can look like a genius when they get somebody in the second round who turns out to be a super-duper star. And I think Tim Conley's great. That's not a knock on him. It's just it's funny the perspectives I, I, I see on these things and how quickly they change. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Portland got swept out of the playoffs last year, and people were saying they need to blow it up and talking about how they messed up their future in the summer of 2016 when they signed Evan Turner and Alan Crabb and Myers yep. Leonard. <laughs> And now Myers Leonard is scoring scoring 25 points in the first half of elimination (laughs) games. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, Evan Turner is uh, closing out game sevens against against Denver with 10 points in fourth quarters or whatever it was. It's like it's it's amazing how quickly the narrative can change. And I think Neil O'Shea is a good GM, by the way. He did not have a good summer of 2016. But right. he drafts well. He has swindled some very good trades. He did a great job. He basically built those. I mean, he wasn't there for a lot of it, but he basically built the building blocks for those Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Clippers. Yeah. And that was that was Neil Olshay putting that together. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It is. It, you're right. It's interesting with the narrative. Uh, you got five minutes to talk about. Bradley Beal in All NBA. Let's do it. Would you have had? You didn't have a vote, right? Did you I did not. Would you have had Beal on your uh, on your All NBA? I would have. I would have had, had him over Kemba. I think um, you know both guys are fantastic. I don't think it's like a a, a a topic I would like dig my heels in the sand and say no, they got this wrong or anything like that. But to me, I just think Beal is is um, <laughs> a better player, and I don't think anybody was saving that Washington team this year. So. Um, a lot of times when guys are really close like that, maybe you look at team record or team success or whatever. But in this case, um, I don't know what Beal could have done. Here's my thing. If I voted for Beal 2, I put Beal 6. If you think Kemba had a better year and you can prove it, that's great. Kemba's an awesome player. Uh, if you think Clay Thompson had a better year and you have logic behind it, you can prove it, that's great. Clay Thompson is obviously awesome. Yeah. Uh, I could say the same for a few other guards who are legitimately great players, and I think you can make arguments for for all NBA. There is one argument that I find so painfully stupid of Kemba over Beal, and uh, unfortunately for Bradley Beal, it is I, I'm going to guess the most common argument for why people voted Kemba over him, which is and. Beal received the most votes for anybody not to make All-NBA, by the way. So he was close. Right. right. Um, and it's that the Hornets won seven more games than the Wizards. <laughs> and and right. to yep. me, it's like, man, like, you know what? I, I'm not big into team success factoring into All-NBA. Uh, but but I, I will look at, like, tiers of teams, you know? If you're mm-hmm. on Milwaukee, I'm just naturally going to give you more of a look than if you're on the Suns. It's just yeah. how it works. And if you're on the Suns, there's a very little chance, or you're on the Knicks, or you're on the Hawks, or actually not necessarily the Hawks, but you're on those bottom teams, Chicago. Uh, there's just a small chance 
Cavs. I, I'm, I'm not going to vote for you if you're on a team that bad. You can't pull your team up to 20 wins, you know? Uh, that being said, the way you have to look at this is with context. And, and, and you can't necessarily say, well, Charlotte won 39 and the Wizards won 32, so Charlotte was demonstrably better. First of all, 39 wins in the Eastern Conference legitimately sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, that so, Yeah, let's sucks. not talk about good versus bad. Let's talk yeah. about bad versus slightly more bad. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I think the way you have to look at this, like, the way a reasonable person would look at this is not necessarily here is what they did over the course of 82 games. It's here is how you can contextualize what they did over 82 games. And if you put teams in tiers during the regular season, if you say, all right, tier one is Milwaukee, Golden State, and Toronto. Tier two is, uh, you know, Denver and Houston and so on. You go down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever tier the Wizards are in, yeah. Charlotte's also in that tier. <laughs> right. Like, they're the same team. The Wizards yeah. just started tanking with about seven games left in the season and just started yeah. diving and lost a ridiculous amount of games. They were playing horrific lineups in fourth quarters. There were times where they were in the fourth quarter and they played. They were up 10 against the Knicks in the fourth quarter, and Scott Brooks pulled his, <laughs> pulled his starters and put in. I turned to Candace Buckner at the game, and I said, you know, I'm not going to say they're tanking. But if they were trying, if I were saying, if someone gave me a mandate, I have to lose this game and I can only do it via my lineup choices, this is the exact lineup I'd be playing. I would not replace one guy out there. This is exactly who I would have out there. Then when they were down two with 12 seconds left, they didn't foul and just let the clock run out. It's like, okay, you guys are tanking. Charlotte never tanked. If Charlotte started tanking with 10 games left and the Wizards didn't tank, guess what? One would probably have like 35 wins and the other would probably have like 33 or 34 wins. Like you have to – Well, here's, what, here's the best the part, Fred, is that all of, these things are, all of these things are so connected now because Washington you know, moves up in the tanking stand – Things. Then they fall three spots in the actual lottery, um, so that didn't work out. But then on top of it, these votes they matter for player salary. So maybe you're right. If Beal and and if the Wizards and, and um, Charlotte are only separated by a couple games, um, you know, one or two games, maybe this, this is different. And then maybe he's eligible for supermax. So it's so dumb that that all of these things. It's it's. Um, there's such a chain effect between how all, all of these things played together. Tanking, All-NBA, Salary, Supermax. It, it, it's almost comical. Yeah. God, it kills me, man, that the Supermax <laughs> is just is based on the journalist votes. I'm like, I was a voter this year, and I, I felt bad about it. I've talked about it on this podcast. I just felt dirty. And uh, I don't know if I would – I have to think about it. I don't know if it's, I would accept next year. Yeah, it's not it's not right. I mean, it's a, it was a poorly thought out, I think, adjustment to the CBA. Um, and like I said, it, it's not just okay. These these the journalists have too much power now because that is a big part of it. But again, you're talking about all of the little factors that you know. Did every voter think about how the Wizards tanked down the stretch, or did they when they sat down to fill out their ballot look at the standings and ooh yeah look at that seven games blue? I don't know. You know, like um, Doc Bradley Bill four points for that. Like, come on, man. This stuff is all connected in ways that are so ridiculous in the league. It's fun it, to me. It's fun, and it's, it, it it makes for interesting conversations like this one. But it is weird that all, all these chain reactions happen in such ridiculous ways in this league. So, not every vote that was unpopular is a bad vote. 
And as one of the two people who voted for Thad Young for all defense this year, I will maintain that position. Okay. Uh, but good God, someone voted Dwayne Wade's second team. And someone <laughs> voted Marvin Bagley. Yeah. And I can't yeah. wait because the votes are going to be made public at the end of June. And it's going to come out who voted for everybody. And I can't wait. Also, last night on the broadcast on TNT during the Toronto game, Chris Weber and Reggie Miller went on a whole thing that it's ridiculous that Patrick Beverly and who and Miles Turner didn't make all defense. And I'm they both voted last year. So yeah. I I'm going to be checking their ballots to see if they voted. I'm keeping the receipts mm. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and I want There's to know some, who they take off too. Like you got to say who you take off. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think uh, there's there, there's it's twofold. There's the uh, journalists who just have bad, it, well, I'll be according to me, bad opinions, and will throw a weird random guy out on the list, and you're like, man, really, really, that's that's all defense. But then there's also the people that are you, you wonder where the motivations are. Two years ago, Isaiah Thomas made a second team all defense vote. He got he got a vote. Isaiah Thomas, maybe the worst defender in all of the NBA, even at his peak. And so you you sit there and think. I don't know if that's just a bad opinion. There might be something else there, sort of a favor or something, and it, it all gets a little ridiculous after a while. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> and now the Wizards are – I mean, look, I wrote this yesterday. You can go on The Athletic and read it. I, I, the Wizards are uh, – no one will ever say it. No one has ever said it to me. I will never hear anyone say it to me. And I've never heard that anyone said this to anyone else there. I've never heard anything other than, yeah, we want Bradley Beal to make all NBA. And maybe yeah. no – there's just no way it's only human to be thinking about the good of the organization. And yeah. there's just no way that it is beneficial for a – let's call him top 16 because that's what all NBA has him – a top 15, a top 14 player. There's no way it's beneficial for that player to be Supermax eligible. And how stupid is this system that the NBA set up that teams are rooting against the accomplishments of their own stars, right? Right. I mean, right. How, how dumb is that? <laughs> And this is this is uh, again. I like it. Be, I, not because it needs changed, but I just like how absurd it is. Because this league is so great, and there's such crazy incentives, you know, built in like this that are counterintuitive. And right now, you know, would you rather be Charlotte or would you rather be Washington today as opposed to Monday? Did that switch at all? Because as you mentioned, now now you got to pay Kemba Walker that money. Uh, you know, or or at least it, it becomes part of the conversation. And Kemba Walker's great. I think a super max, just the idea, not not the idea of how it's structured, but just the idea of like who is worth that much money relative to you know, even with the um, if you're filling out a roster, who can really afford to pay a player that much money? Yeah, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. There's a handful of players. Bradley Beal and Kemba Walker aren't in that category. They're great players, but you don't want to be paying them forty eight million dollars in four, in five years. I mean, it's just no team can really build a great team, unless you have the deepest pockets there, but no team really wants to pay those guys that much money for that long. And so um, it's another one of those things the league did that I don't think is working out at all how they wanted it to work out. No, it's not. And now the Wizards have a very interesting predicament on their hands because, you know, if they – if the one thing with Bradley Beal – where it could have worked out okay, or I shouldn't say okay if he got the Supermax, but at least it would have taken some pressure off if he got the Supermax, is if they offer him the Supermax and he turns it down, 
or they decide they don't want to offer him the Supermax. Because in both of those scenarios, you know a trade is coming. Historically, right. that's the way this works. Anthony Davis turns down the Supermax. You got to trade him. Kawhi turns down the Supermax. You got to trade him. Sacramento decides it doesn't want to offer DeMarcus Cousins the Supermax. They got to trade him. That's how this this always ends up working now. And history would say it would be no different if Bradley Beal were in that situation. Now he's not in that situation. Yet the Wizards are still in a situation where it makes basketball sense for them to send him elsewhere if they can get a really nice haul of either draft picks or prospects or both. Uh, if they can unload him for that, whether that's to no matter who that's to, if they can get that stuff. So now they have to make the decision. Like if the yep. Wizards trade Bradley Beal, they can't blame the situation. They can't blame Willie turned down the Supermax, so what did we do? Like it will be 100% on the organization, and that's fine. I mean that's most trades. It's 100% on the organization. But uh, And he has tough. one more year to earn it, right? Am, am I yes. wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he okay. has another okay. year to earn it, but he might not be around to earn it. Yeah, right, right. You know? They, yep. they might – if they want to get the most, if they decide to trade him and they want to get the most for him possible, and people ask me if, if they're going to trade him. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who's going to run the organization. One, <laughs> one guy who they hire might be like, you got to trade Bradley Beal. There's no way he's starting the year with the Wizards. And another guy might say, I think Bradley Beal's a top eight player. He's the most underrated player in the league, and there's no way we're giving him up for like one draft pick and a nice player. There's just right. no way. So like, I right. don't know. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think part of it is that like David Aldridge wrote this morning that uh, – Ted Leonsis is wary about trading Bradley Beal. He's not exactly willing to just give him up. And if there's no excuse to give him up and you hire somebody who's on the fence about it or whatever, maybe he ends up not being traded. Maybe he ends up staying and you end up with basically even like a stripped down roster of what they had last year because they don't have cap space. And, uh, you know, we saw what happened last year. The suffering could – I'm looking at the salary cap sheet. The suffering could end after a season. Um, I, I do think that there's – it's not the worst situation I've ever seen from a salary cap standpoint. It's not great, but there, and especially because the John Wall Supermax, again, another uh, another example of that contract just, just hurting. But at least there is some – it's not easy. I wouldn't bet on it. But there are some ways out of this um, to kind of build a roster a year from now. But it – you know how it is when you've had a team miss out on the playoffs and just kind of not reach their potential a couple years in a row. Saying one more year, you know, that's a tough sell anywhere. So, um, yeah, tough situation. Yeah, for sure. Anything else uh, you got before we go? Not really. Not really. Curious to see how it all shakes out, though. I, th- I do think Washington's an interesting player this summer, and um, and and the Bradley Beal thing is probably a top. I don't know five five storyline of the offseason a free agency and, and the trade market so i think washington will be at the forefront of a lot of conversations and adam does uh awesome work so go read his stuff uh plug plug all your stuff before uh before you denverstiffs.com we have all the everything you need for nuggets two two credentialed reporters inside pepsi center staff of 10 so we're we got a we got a big staff over there and then locked on nuggets if you want to hear me talk about the nuggets yeah, like I said, Adam's awesome. Subscribe to Locked on Nuggets. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Please give us five stars because I'm so honest, right? Now I'm being <laughs> even more honest. Just like, please, oh, please, oh, please, give us one, please. Uh, yeah, five stars. That's always nice. Nice review. I'm, lo- I'm logging on right now to, to, to give wow, my review. Right. what a guy. What a guy. You can write, you know, I loved that Denver reporter you had on that one time. <laughs> That's a good review. You're right. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the reviews help. The reviews help more than you would realize. I still don't really understand how iTunes does stuff, but I know the reviews are good for 
The I'm looking at your titles. Stuff. Look at this. Horse hockey, metaphysical basketball ethics, going full Costanza. These are A-plus headlines right here. Oh, yeah. Wait till you see not, what we have for this one. <laughs> it's not great SEO, but but I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> you know, not selling out for a great headline. I like that. And it's all, well, it's always related to something in the, uh, in the episode. Yeah. You know? I like it. So I like it. We'll be good. Uh, I will be back sometime next week. I do have a guest lined up, but I never say who my guests are just in case they bail or I have to make a change or whatever. Uh, but I'll be back next week. As always, if they hire a GM, I will do a podcast within like 24 hours of a hire for sure. I'll probably just guilt standing into coming on with me. Uh, and, uh, you know, whenever I'm on next week, I'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for coming on.